Get you some radio. When we, when we truly see the best, the heart in the other individual. Now, we're all imperfect people. It doesn't take long and hard to figure that one out. But if we're truly intentionally looking for the good in the other person, and we're looking for a level of connection, a depth of connection. Like, like Terry, if I got you going to talk about certain passion areas in your life, right? Your, your sphere of influence, the things that you like to do, your hobbies, your profession, your sales training, you could talk all day long about that. So if we get people going, we truly understand and we're, we're seeking out to understand, to appreciate, to value that person with what makes them come alive. Now we can intentionally and consistently come alongside of them and fan that flame. Because if it's not about us ultimately, but it is about the other person, and let's say the other person realizes it's not about them, it's about you as well. This is where that exchange of life that we talked earlier about, where the magic happens. You know, people feel safe. People feel valued. People feel loved. People feel, and who doesn't want to do business? Who doesn't want to do life with someone that, creates a safe place for them that actually has their best interests in, at heart. I mean, come on. Now, 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 your weekly dose of inspiration, inspiration, perspiration, perspiration, and just the right amount of bull defecation. <laughs> the Get You Some Radio Show with your host, the vice president of making shit happen, Terry Lancaster. Microphone check, microphone check, one, two, one, two, welcome back to the Get You Some Radio Show. I am Terry Lancaster. Glad to have you here with us today. And um, so a couple years ago, a couple years ago, I started on the road of becoming a professional speaker about having people pay me to stand up in front of them and run their mouth. And I hired a, a professional speaker coach and wrote this guy a huge check, huge check. And he explained to me that there are really only two kinds of speakers. There are leadership speakers and there are sales speakers, and you gotta decide which one you're gonna be. So I decided I was a salesperson, so I was going to be a sales speaker, and that's what I've been doing for the last four or five years, is speaking on, speaking on and for and to salespeople and the sales process. My, my guest today is my buddy Rob, Rob Holman, and Rob would probably consider himself a leadership speaker, because uh, I've got his book here, a brand new book uh, just released, just released, it's called All In, How Impactful Teams Build Trust from the inside out. And Rob uh, speaks and writes uh, about leadership, but I was reading the book and uh, I, I, think, uh, I think the guy I wrote the big fat check to, he owes me a refund because I believe there's only one type of speaker. Everything that Rob talks about in the book here is about building trust and building a human connection, which is exactly what I talk about from a sales point. It's all the same thing. People are people and it's all about connecting with people. We're gonna to talk to Rob Holman about doing just that right after this. Make more friends, sell more cars. 97% of car shoppers say they would prefer to know their salesperson before they ever set foot in the dealership. People buy from people they know, like and trust, and they refer their family and friends to people they know, like and trust. Visit terrylancaster.org to learn how your sales staff can get more reviews, more referrals, and more repeat business by building better, stronger, more authentic relationships online and in real life. TerryLancaster.org. Rob Holman, all in, my brother, all in. How you doing? I am doing wonderful. You always just cheer up my day, man. I, I'm a pretty passionate guy. I get going early in the morning, but I see you, and I can't help but take it to a whole other level, for oh, sure. a bucket full of sunshine, baby. A bucket <laughs> full of sunshine. 
<laughs> no, I'm doing great. And every time you and I have had a chance to connect, I know there's like bombs going off in a good way because there's a lot of synergy with our message and messaging. And, you know, when you get two people together that are passionate about uh, what they do, and more importantly, the impact that we can have on others around us in our sphere of influence, there's no telling what can begin to happen. So great to be with you. Well, I'm, I'm glad to have you on the show. And I really, I really love the book. I, had, I, you know, thank you for giving me the advanced copy and let me, uh, let me take a look at that. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I got to do it. And, and again, it really struck me. I'm reading through here and all this. And like I said, I'm reading it from a leadership perspective and building teams and management and corporate structure and all that. And I'm looking at it and I said, this, this, this is all about people. This is about human being. And I'm, I'm going to tell you the quote that, that, that stuck out, snuck out at me uh, the, the, big, the best. It said that, that every human being longs to share their story. Every human being longs to share their story. Tell us why story is so important to the human condition. Yeah, I mean, we, are, we find ourselves everywhere we look, everywhere we go, whether we realize it, fully realize it or not, Terry, we are, we appreciate story and story, any good story, any story, it, it brings, there's life with it. And stories oftentimes have character, main character, some other characters on the, in the story. There's certainly a climax or a bunch of climaxes in the story that kind of keep us on the edge of our seat and, uh, and have these aha moments are like, no way that really happened. And typically there's always like a challenge and a challenge and but yet an overcoming element and over you know whether it's a problem a challenge a barrier an obstacle whatever you want to call it and then a sense of overcoming and so i think we just find ourselves in you know history of human beings we've always gravitated towards stories think of stories that have been passed down generation to generation and people add their own little twist and in, in the story i mean you look at myths you look at uh you know some of our favorite uh, just stories, books that have ever been written. Why do we go back and read or reread them? Most likely it's because a good story has been told. And so we find ourselves in this place. For me, we could look at the best movies, our favorite movies of all time. Mine happens to be Goodwill Hunting that came out in, the, in 1997, I believe. And the storyline just, it, it, I call it a relational gem, that story of Goodwill Hunting, because it's like good old Will Hunting, man. He was you know, in, in, in Boston, and he's from South Boston. I could go into the whole story and tell you very specifically what happened, how it left an imprint on me, and I, I saw about three or four times on the big screen when it came out. I can't tell you, Terry, how many times I've seen it since uh, on DVD and Netflix or whatever. So story has this dynamic in each one of our lives. But what I love to talk about is your personal story. Because there's something like each and every single human being has a story to tell. And I love to say, hey, you may not know your story as well as you'd like to, but you certainly have a story that the world needs to hear. So the more on point that we understand our story and embrace it and find words that can adequately describe it, people are waiting with bated breath to hear it. So let's not waste any more time. Well, okay. So, so that, that's what we call, that's what we call in the interview game. That's a softball, Rob. You kind of lob, lob an easy one up there. So here's the next question. Tell me your story. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to go back. I grew up in, in a farmhouse built in 1779. All right. And picture this little, you know, sensitive heart, uh, heart minded and a kid that was happy about life. 
and I have an older brother, younger sister, so I'm the middle child, Terry. So I'm the peacemaker, in other words, right? You're a people, you're a people pleaser is what you are. Well, that too. Yeah, I mean, man, I had to get over the people. Have I gotten over the people pleasing syndrome yet? No. Yeah. So good, good, good word. So anyway, grew up in this home. Mom and dad struggled in their marriage. It affected me as this peace-loving, sensitive, hard-on-the-sleeve kid. So like many things, I learned to cope and deal with my parents uh, you know, just couldn't get along in the way that I certainly hoped them to get along. And so, so grateful I had basketball and a good group of friends. So I had outlets to kind of cope and deal with things. Anyway, long story short, my parents get divorced when I was in high school and it really did affect me in not such a great way. Even though I had outlets, uh, I, I kept things deep down side. So when everyone say, Rob, you doing all right? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm fine. I'm good. Now, none of us listening or watching this have ever done that before right you know putting on our sunday best if you know what i mean yeah. and all of a sudden even though things are hurting we want to make it appear as though everything's cool and so that was me uh i do go off to college at a local university in the greater philadelphia area from where i'm from and basketball continued and i was a business student on the college you know in college but I was a hurting kid, Terry, and I remember taking late night walks around the college campus throughout my four years of college, and I would find these big dorm buildings where lights weren't on in the back of the building, and I would bawl my eyes out for sometimes, you know, certainly minutes, if not hours, and then I'd clean myself up, and I'd start walking back, and no one even knew what I was doing, and really, that was for me a way to say I was questioning everything. Why am I here? Who am I? Why am I dealing with all this junk? And <clears throat> the climax of my story is heading into my senior year, I had a, a tumor in my abdomen that went undiagnosed clearly um, for, about a, for about a month and a half. And during this time, I didn't know which way was up. I was quite frankly numb to the world. Uh, didn't, couldn't even feel a whole lot during this time. And I go in to see an ultrasound specialist. Now, before I'm about ready to share what I'm about to share with you, I had seen ultrasound specialists. I mean, I got CAT scans, MRIs. I mean, if there was a test, I had it multiple times and the doctors did not know what was going on. They, wouldn't, they were not ruling out cancer either. I see this ultrasound specialist and they checked me out on the ultrasound screen. They said, I, I don't even have adequate words to describe what I'm about to share with you. I'm like, okay, come on. They said, you no longer have any mass. And it is, it is a modern day miracle. We cannot, dis we, we don't know exactly what's happened. You came in with a mass, clear pain, clear mass, and you leave with no mass at all. So Terry, you better believe that coming out of a situation like this, that'll rock a 21 year old really good because purpose for me before this point was hanging out with the boys and going drinking. It was winning the next basketball game. It was getting the attention of the, the beautiful girls around me. But now I was asking a set of questions I never asked. Why am I here? Why am I alive? How can I use my sphere of influence for greater good? All those things. That literally started a process of changing the trajectory of my entire life. Little did I know that over 22 years later now at age 44, I would be able to help leaders all over the world discover, rediscover their personal purpose and only to see that infused into what they do as a profession. So thank, thank you for sharing your story. And again, the quote from the book is, every human being longs to share their story. How, do you, how does sharing your story free up others to share theirs? Which I'm, I'm going on is how you start to form a human connection when we jointly share each other's stories. And that's, that's what people do when they're getting to know each other. That's the first day thing. What's your story? What's your story? And, and you know, that, that's how people connect. So how does sharing your story 
free up others to share their story and what does that symbiosis mean? I love that question because authenticity is one of those buzzwords in our culture, business culture today. But being real, I think there is something said about when you're real and you offer your story or an aspect or aspects of your story with another person, you're sitting across, standing across and just you're letting them into your world. And I'm not just talking, Terry, as a, as a professional, as a leader in the workplace, as an influential person with a sphere of influence around you. I'm just talking human to human for a minute because we can only give what we got. So if we want to be more influential and more on point in the workplace, in a working profession, when we start to let people into who we are as a human being by sharing an aspect or aspects of our story, now the person listening can't help but say, all right, what's that mean for me? Now, oftentimes that's a subconscious thing. It could be a conscious thing too. But now it's an invitation really. It's an invitation for there to be an exchange of life, not just an exchange of profession, not just product to service, service to service. Now it's like an exchange of life. Your heart beats the same way I beat. You go to the bathroom the same way I go to the bathroom. I mean, all these different things, we are human beings first and foremost. And when we connect on a level that's real, that's authentic, it's practical by sharing our story. Now it's like it's an even playing field. And I don't know, Terry, if you've ever felt this, but so many times in business and in sales and in life, people are trying to up the other person. Well, I feel a little superior. Even though they may not say it, they're trying to up somebody else and put someone else down, even how they're communicating. Or, or, you know. But the more that we actually share like heart to heart, mind to mind as human beings, that I'm not better than you, you're not better than me. Now we begin to enter into a different space. And when we be, begin to enter into a different space, more of this true equality, now this is where receptivity is at the forefront and center. And now we can share things that we never even thought were possible and trust can grow and be fostered out of this place. And, and trust is, is the key to the book. It's all, it's about, all about building Teams build, building trust from the inside out, going all in. So the whole point of the book really is, is that these deeper connections are what allow us to function better as a team, what That's allow right. us to function better. The deeper connections allow us, again, most of my audience is going to be salespeople and entrepreneurs. So most of them are thinking about how do I connect more deeply with my prospects, not necessarily the up and down, the up and down of the team. But I'm reading through the book and this is, you know, the, the concepts are similar whether, whether you're talking about your team whether you're talking about your family, whether you're talking about your workplace environment, whether you're talking about your home environment, it's, yeah. it's, it's really about building the trust and connecting more deeply. So what are some other ways? How, how, can, how can we continue to build these connections other than at the superficial level? Because everything we do these days is, is so superficial. Even, yeah. you know, everything is, is superficial. I'm fine. And, you know, we're, we live in a soundbite environment. How do, how do we foster these deeper uh, connectivity? Yeah, and I think this is gonna be great for your sales audience too. I, I have done public speaking workshops before and trainings. And so I take a lot of what I've done over the years in, in training people that aspire to be professional speakers or just salespeople or leaders in their own right that wanna have a stronger voice. They wanna have greater influence. And so what I'm just gonna share a couple things from the book and making a, a, a deeper and greater connection. One is learning how to embrace silence. Now, if you notice, I paused there. We just feel like we got to just fill dead air. We got to just, if we're going in to sell somebody something, we're going in, man, it's like a horse breaking out the Kentucky Derby, man. We, we got to go and we got to, we got to come on. But there's something said, human to human connection, building and fostering trust that when we just ask a, a question, 
and just let it, give it time to let that person soak in that question and not rushing off to the next thing. When we do that, now we position and posture yourself, Terry, with active listening. Not feeling like we got to shove everything down someone's throat in five, 10 minutes, even a half hour. But if we go into a relationship looking to find out more from the other person that we actually have to offer, now this is all about embracing silence. I'm going to use a funny illustration I do use in the book too. I remember my, my wife and I, we've been married for over 15 years now, but I remember when we were dating. I wonder if you find this to be the case too, or other people listening or watching, because when we were dating, the, the worst thing was I didn't want there to be any dead air in the relationship. Now, we were early on. We were dating, right? So what am I doing behind the scenes, Terry? I'm thinking, all right, what's her favorite color? What's her favorite band? I'm coming up with a whole list of questions to ask. Why? So at the end of the day, there wouldn't be any dead air because dead air meant nervousness, anxiousness, uh, how she, what's she going to think about me? And it was like, now... Yeah, I understand some of that, but fast forward, you, you get a few years into marriage, now you're a seasoned couple, certainly my wife and I married over 15 years, you know some of the sweetest times we have as a couple is when we don't even have to say anything. And there's this maturity of just like maybe asking a question and listening to the other person or sometimes not even saying anything, just being in each other's presence is enough. And I just say that to say, we've just got we've gotta just slow down as salespeople, as working professionals, as leaders, take a deep breath and embrace silence. Now, what I mean is it doesn't have to be awkward and for 30 minutes you're with someone, you're just staring them in the eyes with some weird, weird look. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about embracing silence. If you embrace silence by asking a question, sitting back a little bit with an opportunity and invitation to learn from that individual of what makes them tick, what makes them come alive, what the struggles or passion, you know, what the struggles are, the challenges, the trials that they're having with their product, their service, and their life. Now, there is truly an opportunity to fly in on our cape a little bit and to help them, not in a way we think they should be helped, but in a way that they truly need to be helped. And so I just learned one of the practical things is we just need to learn to embrace silence because the more that we embrace silence, guess what happens on the other end? other people are going to embrace it too. You, uh, you, you touched on a point there, which is, which is really one of the key things that I like to talk about. And what, actually what I feel is the number one human skill, whether it's a sales skill or a leadership skill or a husband skill or a wife skill, it's the number one skill of being a human being. And it is the least practiced, the least observed, the, the least, hardly anyone knows about it. And you touched on it, and that is just the simple act of being present. Yeah. And this, this, this I, I consider being present a superpower. Yeah. Because it will really turn things around. If you're actually present in the conversation, you're actually present when you're with someone, people, people react to that strongly because they're so unaccustomed to it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. There's the temptations there for all of us, I think, for us to think about you know, our next meeting what we're going to do next, even trying to get in the next word in the conversation with the person that's before us, like what we're going to say to respond to what they're saying. But if we can discipline ourselves enough, now this takes pride. Let's be real. This takes some practice because the average person, I know I've struggled with this over the years. The average person just isn't that good at it, but we can become better and better at it. And that's what it's all about, right? We, we've got to become practice. The more you practice, get back to the basics of some things. 
it, it's called, you know, practicing the presence, practicing being present with people. So I encourage people, as I've been encouraged, Terry, the next time you're with someone, and maybe start with those closest with you, start with the spouse, let them know maybe what you're going to do. Maybe don't tell them what you're going to do exactly. Some of you feel comfortable and confident around, and you just, just chill out, just relax, take a deep breath, even if they feel like you, they want to hear from you or whatever, and really gather your thoughts. And maybe just ask a really simple question and really hone in on that one simple question and then position yourself, posture yourself to listen to the response. And here's something that I found really works practically. Repeat after them to make sure you're understanding them properly. So it doesn't mean you have to repeat after them every single word all the time, but it is truly mirroring a little bit of what they're saying or reflecting back what they're saying. Hey, am I hearing you correctly when you're, when you're saying this? Is this what you're talking about? Is this what you're meaning? Now, the temptation is not going to be there as strongly to go somewhere else, but you're camping out on that thought, on their response. And now it's, you know, when someone feels like you're really with them in that place, you know, I asked you, Terry, it's almost like, have you felt, you know, it could be your spouse, it could be a, one of your kids, it could be a, a, a person that, yeah, a prospect, whatever. And you just really felt that they're present with you. How does it make you feel? It, it, it lights you up. I mean, like I said, that's why, that's why I said people react strongly to it. I've, I've, I've really tried to develop more, more, more of this and work on this in the last few years. And, and the feedback I get from people, literally, I got, a, I got a message this morning saying, Terry, when I talk to you, you it's, it's like you make me feel like I'm the most important person in the world. Yeah. Every time you talk to me, it's like, that's, that is a huge that's compliment. Great. But, but it's simply, it's not like I've done anything. I'm not sending them flowers and roses every other day, or I didn't come over to their house with a, you know, with duct tape and a shovel. We're not burying any bodies. You know, I just listen when people talk and, and, and people, uh, people respond to that. It's amazing what happens. Yeah. You know, I think along with embracing silence, one of the other things that feeds right into this is helping in relationships, helping go from, um, we don't want to create passive spectators, but we want to create a relationship, starting with ourselves, right, and those that we're around, active participants. And I think most salespeople can appreciate this. The temptation always is, is to go and do the dog and pony show. This gets back to the embracing silence piece, right? Well, I, I know what I have is really good. I know I can make an argument that everyone needs what I have in the same way across the board. Come on, life's too short. You need to buy this. You need to be on. But at the end of the day, we don't have to entertain people. We've got to get to know them and allow them to get to know us. This is the place where trust is built and fostered. As we learn to get comfortable in our own skin and we learn to just yeah, embrace silence, ask a thought-provoking question or two and sit back and listen. Now, we don't feel as strongly like we've got to get up on the table and do a little, you know, I'd love to see you dance, Terry, actually. I, I wonder I if you were to get up on that table, man. You, you probably can cut some rug, I bet you. But, but, but nonetheless, I feel like at times salespeople, because we believe in what we do, we believe in the product or service that we're selling, that, that we feel like we got it, we got to make it happen. We got to make it happen yesterday. But if we can just, again, have more of a, yeah, let's, let's embrace the moment. Let's learn how to be present. We need to discipline ourselves. Now we actually go from feeling like we got to do the dog and pony show where, where the person that really has the problems that we want to hear from is now watching us. Now we're actually engaging with them and allowing them to engage with us. Now we both become active participants in this story of life. And in the midst of that, we can truly understand their problems, their challenges, their pain, so we can best uh, diagnose certain things.
So, so speaking about the dog and pony show, um, and just so, just so people listening and watching know we're not spitting woo-woo and being all unicorns and roses and everything, I interviewed a guy by the name of Ali Rita uh, was one time last year, and Ali Rita is the best-selling car salesman in the world, sells uh, you know, 150, 200 cars each and every month, 20 times the national average. Uh, you know, he sold 1,500 some odd cars in, in a year, sold two, over 200 cars in his best month. And uh, had, they, had, they had him on, uh, on Fox TV, on the Fox Network, when he first broke the original record, the, the big record that it held, that it stood for 40 some odd years from the 70s for the, the highest selling car salesperson. And the guy wanted Ollie to, to put on the dog and pony show. He said, Ollie, sell me a car. <laughs> and, and Ollie was like, well, what kind of car do you need? And, and the guy was like, no, no, man, put up, put on, put on the jacket, do the show, do the thing, man. Come on, dance, monkey, yeah. dance. And, uh, and Ollie wasn't having any, the guy went on and he kept getting more frustrated because he wanted this, this thing. He wanted him to spit rhythm. You know, he, 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 wa he wanted him to be a salesman. And, and Ollie, it, I've, I've interviewed him. What, what he'll tell you is, it's not about, it's not about me and it's not about the dog and pony show. Yeah. He said that my, my secret, the entire secret of my success is uh, is realizing that there's no person in the world anywhere yeah. more important than the person directly in front of me. That's great. And that is whew, that's and, good, man. That's yeah. that's you no, know, that's really good. I no, there's something said about that because how does the other person feel when when the person that's going in to quote unquote sell them something? Make, they don't make it about them. They truly make it, and there's a genuine sense they're making about the person on the other side, on the other end. And again, it gets back to human-to-human -human connection. One other point I want to bring out, we talked about embracing silence a little bit, and all this feeds into being more present, having a level, a depth of connection. So embracing silence, going from creating an atmosphere and environment of passive spectators into active participants, this exchange of life. Third thing I want to bring out, Terry, is I don't know if you remember the book. This was years ago. Gary Chapman wrote The Five Love Languages. I don't know if you ever read that. It was a bestseller. Okay. Well, a couple years ago, he teamed up with a guy, I think the guy's name's Paul White. I might be, yeah, maybe it's another name. Anyway, he teamed up with a person, co-authored co uh, the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So he took the basic premise, you know, it wasn't totally applicable to work, workplace relationships. He made it more applicable. I'll tell you, powerful read. And what he says in there, which I love, if there's one thing that the average person, working professional, human being, wants and longs for it's to be appreciated in other words wants to feel valued and how we can value them is what is their main language of appreciation is it is it words of affirmation to encourage or to inspire them is it physical touch not in a weird way a nice firm handshake you look in their eyes before you let go or a hug where appropriate or whatever the case may be or is it is it a gift a certain note card with a gift card attached to that person and this just, the more sensitive we can be to other people's worst play, workplace languages of appreciation, now we can proactively, in the connection, uh, cater to their needs, better serve them. And who doesn't love that authentic, genuine service one to another? Not in the way we think they should be served or appreciated, but in a way that they truly long and want and desire to. So... so yeah, I'm, I'm a Dale Carnegie guy, and Dale Carnegie says all people, great and small, want to be appreciated. They want to know they're appreciated. So we long for these appreciations. And you and I have spoken about this, too, that there's power for the other person for showing your appreciation. Right. But it's powerful me. 
if, if I if I if I if I if I'm truly grateful to be here talking to Rob Holman this morning, that's powerful for me. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's why again, with you and I and and others in our lives, when we when we truly see the best, the heart in the other individual. Now, we're all imperfect people. It doesn't take long and hard to figure that one out. But if we're truly intentionally looking for the good in the other person and we're looking for a level of connection, a depth of connection, like, like Terry, if I got you going to talk about certain passion areas in your life, right, your, your sphere of influence, the things that you like to do, your hobbies, your profession, your sales training, you could talk all day long about that. So if we get people go, we truly understand and we're, we're seeking out to understand, to appreciate, to value that person with what makes them come alive. Now we can intentionally and consistently come alongside of them and fan that flame. Because if it's not about us ultimately, but it is about the other person, and let's say the other person realizes it's not about them, it's about you as well. This is where that exchange of life that we talked earlier about, where the magic happens. You know, people feel safe. People feel valued. People feel loved. People feel, and who doesn't want to do business? Who doesn't want to do life with someone that creates a safe place for them, that actually has their best interests in, at heart? I mean, come on. Yeah. So we're all, we're all going into battle each and every day. And we, want, and we want these people, if we're going into battle, we want the people that we're going into battle with to be on our team. We want, we want to build a team. We want to build these connections. We want to go arm in arm. So I love this story in the book. Tell me about the, the Philadelphia Eagles from 2018. What was their secret training technology? I love their yeah. team, their team building activities. Yeah. I, okay. So my beloved Eagles, we, we were, uh, we were chomping the bit for years, Terry, to win a Super Bowl, if you know what I mean. A little impatient as most cities would be with their sports teams, but Philadelphia, I mean, really impatient. If you catch my drift. When we won that Super Bowl in 2018 and beat the New England Patriots, it, it was sweet in many different levels, many different degrees. However, I, there was a lot of social media chatter going on. What, what was their secret sauce? Was it their faith? Was it their, you know, the talent on their team? Was it this? Was it that? And I tried to wrap my arms around all of it. And I did, I did a deeper dive in studying Doug, Doug Pearson, the head coach. And you talk about trust, building and fostering trust. Here's what Doug implemented very strategically very intentionally and consistently into the fabric, the atmosphere, the environment of the Philadelphia Eagles in that 2017-2018 season. He would set up times where team members could connect. He'd actually, you know, and practice a little early. He'd do it some off hours, whatever. Now, it wasn't mandatory, but he said, here are opportunities for you all to connect, not as football players, but as real people with real stories to share. And people started to come out to these venues, to these things, two by two, maybe one here, one there. Before long, there was, they'd have larger group meetings where people would come out. They'd have smaller, where it was just personal connection one-to-one. He set it up in different shapes and forms, only to find out that these players loved. They, they found reasons to go to these meetings. Why? Because they weren't going to watch game tape. Why? Because they weren't going to be held accountable for what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. But there actually now is a place and a space to get to know one another as human beings. And Doug Peterson fanned the flame on that. He created space, but he fanned it. He fanned it and fanned it. So at the end of the day, their whole term was next man up. And what they meant by that was someone goes down and gets hurt, which we know in professional football that happens quite a bit. The next person stepping up. And we believe in this next person stepping up 
equally, if not more, than the, the, than the starter. Why? Because they had built trust from the ground level, from a, had a firm foundation of getting to know one another as people before working professionals. So it made their workplace environment even that much stronger, that much tighter, and that much more unified. So I believe with the Philadelphia Eagles, because of practical things implemented such as that, that I believe that that is the primary thing that helped them win the Super Bowl in that year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. So that, that, that's, that's pretty interesting. So we're, we're, we're going to wrap this up here. And uh, uh, we've, we've talked a lot about, about, about our feelings and about, about feeling important and kind of upper legend on stuff. You know, my audience, a lot of salespeople, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of plumbing supply salespeople, you know, the, these people, they have, they, have, they have dirt under their fingernails. They eat what they kill. This is, you know, you know we don't have time for feelings. Yeah. So we, we need to put this into action. Yeah. Rob, do me a favor. I ask everyone who comes on the show, give me one action step that a salesperson or entrepreneur listening and watching this show today can do today, can put down their phone, shut down, shut down their laptop and get busy, getting busy doing one thing to go all in. Yeah. I would say at the end of the day, uh, be disciplined in your gratitude. There's no doubt about it. If you, if you want to set your perspective, right, I wake up every day. I don't think it's the time in which we wake up. I think it's how we wake up that means everything. And you and I talked about this before, Terry. It sets the tone for the day. So for me, I'm an early riser. So as soon as I wake up, I'm very intentional with giving thanks, having a, having a time of gratitude. And here's, here's how that looks for me. I find things of what things and people that I'm grateful for yesterday and today but I also am projecting out that day, the meetings I'm going to have or later in the week, and I'm thankful for the good that's going to come out of those times, those conversations. You know, I, I, I woke up this morning and I knew that we were going to meet. And I was, th I was thanking God. I was very grateful for who you are as a human being, first and foremost. I'm so grateful for uh, the synergy that we have and our messages. And I'm so thankful you gave me the opportunity to speak and to share my core message today and a little bit of the, from the book of All In. So without us even meeting, I was able to go in that place and have that space and that time. And I just find that when you reflect and you also project what you're grateful for, it sets the tone for the day. It sets the tone for the week, the month. And this is the place where you can have a higher perspective. So when challenges do come, you can truly be a change agent in the midst of those challenges. So, so start with gratitude. I mean, uh, yeah. wake up in the morning and be grateful. That's, that's the step. Wake up tomorrow morning and, and look, look ahead and, and be right. grateful. Thank yeah. you, Rob. Do, 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 me, do me this favor. Tell me, uh, tell me how someone can get in touch with you. If they want to get in touch with Rob, if they wanted to hear you speak, if they wanted to buy the book, how, how do we find Rob? Yeah, a couple ways. I uh, appreciate that. One of the ways is just centralized place for all my content. People that are interested in having me speak, give a keynote, uh, training in the workplace, et cetera, would be at robholman.com. Rob is spelled with two Bs. And so that's R-O-B-B-H-O-L-M-A-N.com. And the second thing is with my book, All In, I would just encourage people to go to getallinbook.com. And I'll have all of those links in the show notes. Rob, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. You are a, a little breath of sunshine, brother. Oh, man. Thank you. The honor's all mine. And thanks. I look forward to continue our friendship. And uh, thank you for being a pioneer in the area of sales and just influence uh, with people uh, locally, regionally, nationally. Uh, you have a voice that the, the world and many salespeople desperately need to hear. So thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Get you some radio. 
You've been listening to the Get You Some Radio Show. Subscribe today at terrylancaster.tv to hear more episodes, win valuable cash and prizes, and get free training to help you create an army of buyers who know, like, and trust you before they've ever even met you. It's a big, wide world, boys and girls. Get out there and get you some.